on the poker show tonight. John Tabby Tabby. John Taba Tabai. And Johnny, get your socks on because he's deep in Venice. Welcome to the Poker Show. Here's some highlights from tonight's show. Who looks perplexed, puts his head in his hands, <laughs> shakes his head, mutters something in a foreign language. He's not Italian, by the way. He's not Italian. And then he calls with King Nine. I'm 25 now, so time is time is ticking by. To be honest with you, whether it was you know all the best players in the world or you know the worst players in the world, I'm glad I came simply because I hadn't seen Venice before. But the problem with here in Venice is it, it's that those thought processes simply does not work. And the reason for that is every year, it's a couple of times I got short because I made, you know, loose calls. Or, let's call it bad. In fact, they were bad calls. So our hero, he goes to fold his hand. You must go to Venice. I mean, and there's there's many reasons to go. But if you're a poker player, Chief, I know I keep harping on about this, but the value in Venice. And not to mention, you know, I, I love, um, I mean, if you can't you know, look up and smell the coffee or see the sights in Venice. You can't do it anywhere because um, you're, you're in the city. You're on the Grand Canal. Um, you can't help it. You know, when you want to get a, when you want to get a taxi to the casino, um, you got to take a water bus, which is a great, great way to travel, by the way, water bus. I mean, but uh, the city's, you know, an exercise. You kind of try and walk around and it. it's a big exercise in getting lost unless you see it uh, by boat, which is you know, it's just a way to go. Everything, the front door of every building in that town, uh, as far as I can see, you know, is the canal, uh, faces the canal, because the riffraff just walk around. I mean, it's, you know, it's just not done, uh, especially in the, in the 16th century when the, the Casino de Venezia was built. That was the, the, the palace at the, and it's right in the center of the city that the WPT was held in. Um, from the, from the, from, you know, seven, eight hundred years old and pr- proper, you know, 40 foot uh, high ceilings and those, you know, I think Michelangelo was the, was the paper hanger, you know, because like the walls are painted with old masters, uh, just a, you know, grand, grand palace. And of course the action. Uh, we'll be talking later on. Listen, people couldn't believe it. And cash games are getting legalized there on the internet in about a month. So they had 500 players. They're going to have 1,000 next time. It was, uh, it was great stuff. We'll be talking the next two shows a lot about the Venice stuff. Uh, listen, the guys who came over, the, the travelers, as is usual, did very well. Uh, ran into Max Pescatore. You can talk with him in the next show. The, uh, the Italian pirate. You might know him. Probably the most famous uh, Italian poker player. But, so excited to see John Tabatabai there, one of my favorite guys. And I've always thought consistently, you know, maybe one of the, the most underrated poker players as far as talent goes these days. You know, but, but guys like Sorrell and Manette uh, Oberstadt, they know how clever he is because they love to hang out with him and talk with him. Um, and John is a, I think he's one of those guys who maybe was held back uh, by his habits. I mean, he just loves to play every hand. You know, that's why he won the, you know, the heads up and obviously the, you know, did so in the World Series of Poker Europe, but not anymore. So refreshing to to see him. And listen, I got a great interview with John. He's also involved in this bit about thing. We'll be talking about that later. So I'll be right back with John Taba Tabai.
Hi, I'm Roland DeWolf, Triple Crown winner, and this is The Poker Show with Mickey Dane. I mean, Jesse May. Hey, Jesse, it's Kim Lansing here. If you don't have a Party Poker account, sign up today using the bonus code POKERSHOW, and we'll match your first deposit up to $500. That's $400 more than normal, but you have to use the bonus code POKERSHOW. Already got a Party Poker account? We've got something for you, too, an exclusive reload bonus. Redeposit using the bonus code POKERSHOW50, and we'll match your deposit up to $50. I like pretty much everybody else. First became aware John Tabat to buy uh, World Series of Poker Europe, the inaugural, when he got runner-up to Annette Oberstadt. And I think there was a lot of people, you know, they did the live streaming uh, that year without whole cards uh, for the final two days. And it was a fantastic final two tables. I mean, Hansen, Gus Hansen was there, Theo Jorgensen, and... Uh, a couple of us, but then obviously Annette and John. And to me, this is a couple of years ago now, I think it was the first time that I had, you know, really started to see people play as wide open as Tabat Tabai um, played back then. That's old hat now, you know, this <laughs> loose, aggressive three bet and then just going completely nuts. But, uh, I mean, in my mind, um, you know, and, and that's something completely different. I mean, what she does is just scary, really. But, uh, you know, John was really, to, to, to me, the, the, the sort of emblematic of that new breed of, like, player. Um, and then what happened? I mean, fantastic player and, you know, developed into what I, I mean, everyone said, one of the most entertaining guys to watch play on TV and fun. You know, a great talker. Uh, I mean, the most brilliant talker in the world as far as table talk goes. One of those guys who, I think like Amarillo Slim in a sense, um, actually uses that table talk as a weapon. Is not just not just chittering away, not just saying nonsense, but, uh, you know, really uses that verbal like a, like a great jab and manipulates people and uh, gets information from them. Very clever. But uh, John fell off the map a little bit, I think, by his own admission. Um, <laughs> I think he's got that blow up the tilt button that we all have. And uh, if you if you read his blogs, uh, and if you don't, you, I mean, you should. His, he's a great writer and always very, very honest in, in his assessment of, of exactly what's going on in his life. Uh, you know, he struggled with those with those sort of tilt demons and that kind of thing. But uh, anyway, the last like year and a half or something, um, he's he's been a different person, uh, and he's gotten involved in this business, which we're going to talk about later. Uh, I talked about with him a bit about, um, but it was so great to see him show up uh, deep in Venice and really focused. And you know, the joke was, <laughs> the joke was that uh, you know you you look down there and you could see that. Literally, he was the tight guy at the table, which for John is a big struggle, um, but was the right thing to do. And uh, unfortunately, um, he, he ended up uh, ended up um, you know nearly bubbling the final table. Got knocked out, you know, I think two or three off the final table. I think in a, in a big coup with David Van Plu, which I really need to ask him about how that happened. Um, but uh, anyway, I, I had a chance to sit down with John just before. Um, you know that 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 final day's play uh, was going to take them, and he was deep. You know, in the final uh, seventeen, eighteen, and feeling very confident, and 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 looking like a a, a true warrior. Um, but anyway, always great to talk to him because he's 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 such a uh, he's so good for poker, and uh, I did I do tease him about his day. I'm going to talk about that in a second. Anyway, here's the first part of my interview with John Tabatabai. John Tabatabai. Uh, it, it's it's 
when I came in, and I didn't expect to see you here in Venice, so when I came in and saw your table, it was fun, because you always make a tournament more fun. However, I have to say that you're usually a really excited guy, and I looked at you over there uh, yesterday and today, you looked really focused. Well, not that you're not, not that you're not focused usually, but you look zoned in. Well, since you first, I guess, started commentating, uh, on me, I've grown up quite a bit. I'm, I'm 25 now, so time is time is ticking by. And you're saying I mean, that to make me think you're old. Well, I guess yes, you're right. No, the point is that with, you're in a with, different generation now. Kind of, but at the same time, with playing so much poker and so much traveling and all the different experiences that happens to you, you, you grow and you mature I think at a quicker rate through playing poker. And as a result, now that I've you know flown here especially for this event and especially that I'm like the only person left from Betfair, so I'm kind of like an ambassador well, I am I guess uh, an ambassador for Betfair. And you know, I haven't got any results in a while, so I thought, you know, instead of trying to entertain people, why not just actually focus on my game, try and play to the best of my abilities, so afterwards I don't, you know, over rethink situations and think, well, I could have played this hand different, I could have played better. So that's probably why I was focused. But is, is that something you thought about, like, the day before you came, the night before you started to play, or maybe even last night when you found yourself in deep? No, to be honest, it's been the last year, the last year yeah. and a half. I've actually, I mean, I haven't played many events, yeah. but the events I have played, I feel I've played infinitely better. The was, World Open was a great, was a great, I mean, it wasn't a great result, but it was a great performance. Well, the World Open, I did make an embarrassing fold of Queens when I, I bluffed me. But yeah. apart from that, yeah, I, I definitely have been, you know, trying to play better and, and think things m- more clearly. But the problem with here in Venice is, it, is that those thought processes simply does not work and the reason for that is everybody here is playing um, because I guess poker is newer here so they haven't they're not thinking they're thinking on a different level and as a result what makes a great poker player is to be able to think like their opponents are and obviously initially you assume people you assume people are of a certain standard then you find out they aren't and then that's where you've got to make those quick adjustments because they play a very different game here which is confusing at the start but once you understand it it becomes you know quite easy to control you know the size of pods control reduce the variance and you know play play a better game or a more what a, solid game let's well, say it's fun to say that because if you go back to like 2008 I think one of the things that people thought was special about you was you were playing a very wide open game when there weren't many people doing it but you can play tight it's just that it might not have been smart to back then is that is that true that you know smart people know how to play tight they just don't always have to utilize it that's definitely the case and I've definitely used that in this tournament where a couple of times I got short because I made you know loose calls or this quite bad in fact they were bad calls <laughs> yeah, that's not what justified. would Sorrel have said would they have said that there was oh, a bad S- call or a Sorrel loose would, call Sorrel would have walked away <laughs> he, he, he would have just you know he would have mocked me and walked away right. but no no they were definitely bad calls um and it's because you're playing with people who, who just are thinking on such a weird... There's not much thought process there, so it's confusing. And of course, in a tournament, you need to take a little bit more risk to accumulate those chips because you only play, you're not playing many hands here. So you've got to take those risks, build your... Hopefully it works out, build a stack and get going. And in a couple, the first couple of days, I had a lot of chips and I also went down to only you know, 12, 15, 20 big blinds. And in those scenarios, I did play very tight for a couple of hours. I just play, waited for one hand and got doubled up but now the last hour and a half after I doubled up I got a lot of chips now how many have you got? uh, well 1.1 million wow so So, this is very this is the last hour really yeah it all happened in the last hour right I I got a big double up and after that I think I won eight hands in a row and then they finished for the day (laughs) so I I reverted back to my you know old looser style and um, yeah 
I'm rambling on here. But basically, no, no, it's interesting. All good players know that you have to be able to adapt and adjust to the table and what they think of you. Um, and some would say, well, people think I'm crazy, so I should tighten up. But the thing is, if no one's playing back at you, or at the same time, everybody's just waiting to get into the money or to, to the next day, then it doesn't really matter if they're not doing anything about it. How does this tournament set up for you for here? I mean, you've got, you've, you can play, you have a few options as far as what you're going to do tomorrow, you think? In what regard, sorry? As far as what strategy you're going to take. Oh, I mean, it honestly depends, it 100% depends on my table. Um, like last night I had an incredible table but there was nothing I could do about it because I was shortish so I had, and everybody was so aggressive I had to wait for the hands and now tomorrow I might find myself with you know, a bunch of tight Italians or crazy Italians or I might find you know, David on my left who wants to three and four, five bet me with every hand so it depends really on who's on the table the stack sizes and you know, everything else that comes into public consideration Hello I'm Black Belt Poker's Neil Channing and you're listening to The Poker Show with Jesse May Marvellous Hi, this is Jennifer Haley. Please enter your email address at www.thepokershowlive.com and get this show delivered twice a week. I think we have this running joke with John. I mean, because I used to call him John Tabby Tabby. Now, I, I knew it wasn't the right way to pronounce his name. I really, I think I did know that. But it's such a great way to, you know, T-A-B-A, T-A-B-A, I, John Tabby Tabby. Um, but it is Tabat buy, and John's such a good sport about it that uh, he, he does say I ruined his name in poker forever. Um, well, this is, you know, the whole thing about John, I mean, um, you know, he lost, and he lost, as it turns out, an epic. It was it was a four-hour or something, heads up, played with that overstock, and epic in the sense that, um you, you know, nobody remembers who came second. And the funny thing is, is she sucked out on him in a big, big way. From what I understand, it was, was a two pair against a set or something like that. And uh, you'll never, ever hear him complain about it. Not only that, him and that have become uh, great friends. I mean, just genuinely, they really like each other. Um, and uh, I, I was lucky enough to to do a you know commentary with both of them on the World Open this year. And we had, I mean, we just had a blast. Unfortunately, my recorder broke. I was recording the first hour because you knew they were going to use it, so they were just telling stories. And um, they are so funny, you know, and, and both just brilliant, brilliant poker minds. Uh, anyway, here's, my, uh, here's part two of my interview with John. Um, talk just a little more about, about stuff with him. What comes into your mind when I say a really crazy play you saw someone make during this tournament? I mean, just an unexplainable, or are there too many? There's a couple definitely comes to mind. Uh, what, you want to hear one? Yeah, I do, definitely. Okay, uh, let me just think which one's my favorite. Well, I'll start with a simple one, then I'll tell you an even better one. Okay. So this guy, he was chip leader yesterday. I mean, I saw him become the chip leader through these sequence of plays. Every hand I'm about to recount involves our hero. <laughs> okay. So our hero... Blinds are, I believe, two and four thousand. He ma- he's got around half a million. He makes it uh, nine thousand under the gun. He folds around in the middle position to quite a tight guy. In fact, very tight. I haven't seen him play single hand so far. And he goes all in for ninety-two thousand. Right. It folds back to our hero, who looks perplexed, puts his head in his hands, <laughs> shakes his head, mutters something in a foreign language. He's not Italian, by the way. He's not Italian. And then he calls with king nine. Uh, <laughs> king nine of clubs. The other guy's got jacks, and the flop came king with two clubs. So the jacks guy just walked off. So that was quite enjoyable, um, but unexplainable. Uh, another hand which involves our hero, which I thoroughly enjoyed, was he min-raised on the button, same blinds, uh, to 8,000. The big blind, 
Now, Min, I think it's a Min race. He made it back uh, to 16,000. Right. So our hero, he goes to fold his hand. Like, he wasn't like doing right. a dummy fold. He actually went to fold and then just then brought his cards back. We looked at it and then decided to call. Right. So out of folding, he's now called. <laughs> now the flop comes. So there's King. a few hands you can safely say he doesn't have in this spot. Exactly. <laughs> and now the flop comes King 7-7. Seven, seven. Um, I don't believe there was a first draw, but I think giving these players it's irrelevant. Now the first guy, so there's what? There's 32, like 40, there's, about, there's about 40k in the yeah. pot. Uh, now the big blind bets out 10,000, okay, to 40. Right. In some cases it's fine, whatever. Um, again, our hero goes through a five minute motion and then decides to call the 10,000. <laughs> the turn brings a five. Big blind bets out another 10,000. Um, hero looks at his cards. Again, he did his fold. He went to fold. He brings it back. He looks at it, and then he puts one card to the left, to his left. So he's like not even looking at one card. Right. He's just he keeps staring at this other card. <laughs> okay. He stares at this other card for twenty seconds, shakes his head, and then decides to call the ten thousand right. into like eighty now. Now the river comes another five. So right. it's king seven seven five five. Right. And the big blind now bets out one hundred and twenty thousand. Oh my god. <laughs> No, no. So now, of all times, you think our king's he, full well, with a big blind. Well, yeah. you think he's got to be pretty damn strong. Yeah. And at the same time, you've got to think our hero. Now, if, if he was ever going to fold, it should be now. Right. He now picks up that one card. He's not even looking at the other card. Right. So the one card, he keeps looking at it, and then shakes his head and goes, "Call." <laughs> he calls, and now nobody wants to turn their hand over. This is the best bit. <laughs> We now have a three-minute standoff where no one wants to show their hands. They have to call the floor. Oh, the floor comes over, tells the big blind to turn his hand over. So the big blind turns over queen three off. The other guy turns over a four, and then he turns over a king off suit as well. <laughs> so I think, um, I'm sure there were worse hands than that, but that was that, that's most memorable like because, that. because yeah. of all the funny events where he's looking only at one card, he goes to fold, brings it back, and the bet sequence is brilliant where he bets 10k, 10k, 120. <laughs> <laughs> but so you're not, you're not the kind of guy that says you want better players in there because you know what they're thinking. You appreciate that there's a lot of value here. You're glad you came no matter what, that sort of thing. To be honest with you, whether it was you know all the best players in the world or you know the worst players in the world I'm glad I came simply because I hadn't seen Venice before right. and that's kind of what I want to do and Neil Channing makes a lot of uh, jokes about me these days saying I'm just a tourist because I pick my tournaments based on the destination yeah. but at the same time of course you want to be playing with weaker players however it's like my favourite event of the year is always going to be uh, the main event of World Series in, of Europe in London yeah. not because I did well in it like a century ago but because it is all the best players in the world and it you can see the difference in the level of play and it's brilliant it, yeah. you know, it makes you play your absolute best game and, and here it's well, actually at, not that at easy at the end of the day the difference between your best game and worst game is so dramatic that it really doesn't matter who your opponents are right I mean don't you feel like that when you're playing good you don't really care who you're sitting with no that's true if you're playing your best game it doesn't really matter yeah. here it's easier to extract money but at the same time it's more dangerous because they do things that you wouldn't expect for example they flat call with ace king right. they don't three bet ace king and you often find yourself value betting the wrong hand and right. it does actually get quite tricky but it's fun because that's what challenges you to become great is to be able to think like like how your opponents are thinking which I believe here is almost impossible by the way <laughs> well it's quite exciting and, I, and obviously there's so many of the, the Brits here rooting for you so it must feel good to know that you've got a big cheering section I mean I mean it's, you know. it's always nice when yeah. um First of all, it's always nice when you're doing well, but secondly, it's nice you know, when people are there or yeah. people are supporting you, whether they hear or not. I mean, it's nice you get messages on your phone or on Facebook. It's, it's very humbling. 
Yo, Phil Helmuth, 11-time world champion of poker, bragging again. You're here listening to The Poker Show with Jesse May. Hey, guys, it's Kara Scott here. Enter your email address at thepokershowlive.com and get the show delivered twice a week. So John about to buy actually uh, Tabby Tabby. Um, I like to call him Tabby Tabby. How can you not? <laughs> He's been involved for uh, about a year and a half or so. <clears throat> he started up this new business in which I, I think he's the CEO. There's there's quite a bit of money behind it. Uh, it's called Bitabot. And I've just signed up. I've been hearing about it. I just signed up. Uh, went over there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with my, my, my free tickets. Basically, it's an auction site. Uh, Heavily geared towards the poker and gambling community. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, I was looking at 888 and Betfair poker sort of uh, credits and tournament entries and things like that. So I might have a go. Uh, you know, I'll look at the, 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 the free tickets he got for registering and, you know, maybe give it a $20 spin or something just to see. But I've heard, you know, mixed things about it. And the best thing in my mind about Bitabot, and I think everyone's mind, is that John Tabat to buy John Tabby Tabby is behind it uh, because. They're, they don't come any, any more solid, any more honest than John. And he's also a creative guy. Um, he wouldn't be involved in this unless he genuinely thinks it's a good idea. And that's not just on the side of, of him making money because he knows that, you know, in order for that site to do well, it has to be attractive, um, you know, to, to the people who use it. Basically, from what I can see, you know, the, the, the angle is they're getting a lot of really heavily discounted stuff um, from poker and different places that are marketing stuff. Uh, this is my idea. And then you, they can give them away and you can get a great discount on them. Uh, but, you know, these penny auction things, I don't know too much about them. Anyway, listen, there's been some talk about it on the Hendon mob and stuff like that. So uh, I wanted to sit down and ask John, just tell me about it. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it a spin. Uh, but here, here's what John had to say when I asked him about, what about Bitabot? And you can check on the Hendabob forum for, your, for yourself if you want to read some of people's comments. All right, now I want to ask you about Bitabot because, because uh, I've been reading um, a, lot, a lot of stuff around the Hendabob forum. So, you know, some people are really upset about the site. I know you've been in there <laughs> responding and stuff like that. Um, and, and basically, it seems to be that people are upset about um, these automated systems. Tell, tell me a little bit about what's going on with Bitabot. Okay, sure. Well, first of all, I'm sure there'll be a lot of you readers who don't know what Bitabot is. Bitabot.com. Uh, I hasten to add, is a is a penny auction site, and but this our site caters for the gaming market, which is unique and it's the only one currently in the world. Now penny auctions became popular quite a few years ago, and I'm sorry, but I have to give you the history to to explain yeah, all right. uh, why we're different or to explain the Hendon mob and other threads. Now a few years ago when they popped up, a couple of the main sites like Super Madbid. Uh, we're making, you know, a significant amount of money. As a result, as is with any industry, same as poker, same as any other industry, people saw that and they wanted a piece of it. Right. So then hundreds of uh, copycat sites started up. What they didn't realize is that you need a mass amount of users. You need to hit critical mass to be break-even and then profitable. And so these guys, the, the, the sites were, were, were working. For, basically, they were sending in prop players, in a sense. Well, what happened is people, none of these sites were well-funded. Right. And you know, they thought they could do it with a couple grand, or they thought you know, they could just do it for free and make money. And what then happened is a lot of these sites created you know, fake accounts. Uh, right. They put in minimum reserves for auctions. Right. They put in shill bidders, bots, all sorts of stuff. So they didn't lose money. This then came to press, and then it, came, it went into forums, became public knowledge. Right. 
as a result of that, the penny auction industry has got massive negative stigma attached to right. it because of all these sites, all these cowboy sites. Well, it is, from my point of view, the one thing I know about Bitabot is that you're behind it. You've said that it's the, that the one thing you do not do is put your own, the Bitabot won't put you know, won't have people working for the site putting their own bids in. And I think everyone just believes it based on your reputation. I mean, that, well, that's, that's pretty... No, but that's, that's, that's a big part of it, right? Well, but I you, appreciate that. I mean, it's very kind of you to say but that. But, I mean, that is, that is the principle behind Bitabot, that you're letting people do what they want, and you're not trying to set minimum bids and no, no, no. foil I mean, them if, and that sort of thing. If anybody goes to look at the site, we launched in September, and if you look, there's a section where it says just ended, so you can see all our auctions. To date, we've given away over $350,000 right. worth of prices, and we've, you can see what the auctions have uh, gone for. And each bid, I mean, it's very clear that beforehand we tell you that to participate in the auctions, you know, you have to pay to get the bids. And in reality, it's not really an auction. It's more of a lottery or a raffle ticket with like 15% skill because you get to choose which auctions to participate in, who you do battles with. And you can see the history of those opponents, how much money they spend on auctions, right. what times you know the auctions end early or late, or which ones are expensive, but that I, kind of I, stuff. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, just in a nutshell, basically what people were upset about is that there are a lot of people who are taking a professional approach to using Bitabot, yes. and they're thinking they have no chance. Is that, and we, but it, it's fair enough, um, it's like poker in this. Well, that's not, tr- that's not strictly true. There's, there's a user on there, uh, his name's RJ666, and that, that person, who a lot of people know in the UK um, poker circuit because he plays right. all the GUKPTs, he's, you know, he's made a lot of money off the site simply because he's created uh, a reputation for himself where he doesn't back down. And yes, he does spend more money on some auctions, but to prove a point. And then as a result, he wins you know, the bigger items like $500 cash or TVs for just one or two bids because nobody will bid against him because they know that this guy will not give up and he'll spend $500, $1,000 right. happily. And the other thing is, we're backed, uh, we recently got funding from a private VC company in central London. So, you know, we've, we're very well funded, and that's why we can afford that. I mean, so far we've spent a significant amount of money on advertising, marketing, um, the software development, and, you know, we now employ 11 people. So, it's not, you know, a small operation that's been run out of somebody's bedroom. Uh, we've got offices in Sloan Street, so it's, it's kind of a... I mean, I've put a lot of effort into it, and and so what is the main thing that people should look for for their look on? You know, is it is it tournament tickets that they're going to get cheaper? Is it that kind of thing? Well, the first the first thing is to not go there with you know the expectation that you're guaranteed you've got a divine right to getting something cheaper or it's the same as poker when you sit down at a table you haven't got a divine right to win just because you're the best player and on on Bidibot, it's a similar thing what you should do before you play is you know look back. You know, th- through the history, we've got six months worth of history. Plus, you can see the last hundred bids on each auction, so you can see which players give up, don't give up, how much money they spend. You can see which type of auctions are competitive. For example, bets for a hundred dollars is maybe more competitive than, say, you know, a tournament on chili poker, or uh, you know, you know, a GKPT seat is going to get a lot of competition, or an iPad, or a spa, right, right. or a spa break isn't going to get any competition on our side because. No, none of the guys on our site want the spot break or top shot vouchers. You know, these are all things we have because we're trying to go more mainstream. So use your common sense. Have a look in the history. I mean, if you, I mean, at this stage, there's an incredible amount of value because there just aren't many users on our site at all. In the future, given that given that we are successful, then obviously the value will decrease simply because there's mass. There's going to be a lot more users, and then you have to be you know a lot more selective about your spots. But people should check it out anyway. All right, let's, of course, yeah. I'm the best now, and I smash it now. I've proved it already across European sites, across American sites. If you don't wind me up anymore, I'm sending everyone broke, and that's the problem. <laughs> <laughs>
Hey guys, this is Sinisa. I'm with the Royal Flush Girls. You're listening to The Poker Show with Jesse May and Party Poker. That's all we have time for right now. In the next show, plenty more of Venice stuff, including like Dragon Gallage, David Vamplu, uh, who's been a big name, and also been catching up with him here in Paris, where I am now. Uh, he made the final table. Chip Leader talking with him, and Max Pescatori, the Italian pirate, probably you know the the most storied. Um, Italian poker player from Vegas, and and now the man on the ground. He runs card player and all that stuff. Card player Italia, but uh, so plenty more stuff from Venice. And then uh, you're reading about all the all the stuff with Helmuth and Bush and all the caption and Tony G. Well, Tony G stuff is coming up very soon uh, as well. So keep it going uh, here with the uh, the poker show. Thanks. 